Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern. He's Macworld's iTunes guy, and he always has lots of things to say. We'll also hear from Peter Cohen from iMore. So this is going to be an exciting episode recorded ahead of Apple's Spring Forward Media event on the Tech Night Out Live. So Kirk McElhern, before we get into... Apple Watch and the model proliferation conundrum, which is, I think, one of your concerns. Now, as you know, here in the States, or the colonies, as you folks in UK (laughs) might call it, here in the colonies, they have approved a proposal for net neutrality. That's a politically charged issue. You think, well, it means that the ISP can't throttle your connection or can't charge for fast lanes for Netflix or something. But it's got a lot of political play here because it's called Obamacare for the Internet, things like that. Every phrase they can muster. What do people in Europe think about this? Well, I've obviously followed this issue in the States with interest. It's not something you read about a lot here. Remember, the landscape is very different. While there are some uh, ISPs that have companies in several countries um, in the EU, a lot of them don't. So here, for instance, uh, my ISP for both my landline for broadband and mobile is EE, which is a company that was born of the merger of Orange and T-Mobile. Now, Orange exists in France and Spain and several other countries. Um, T-Mobile is originally a German company, but the landscape is very different. That a lot of the a lot of the ISPs have grouped together. A lot of the mobile companies have grouped together. What's technically the historical operator here in the UK, so the equivalent of Bell Telephone back in the day, is British Telecom, which now goes under the name BT. BT originally sold off their stake in mobile their their mobile operator back in the day, and they recently announced that they're buying a mobile operator called O2. So there's an awful lot more movement here than there is in the U.S. All your ISPs and mobile operators are extremely stable over there, whereas things here are constantly in flux. You know, you asked the question just before we started recording, and I started looking on the web, and Fortune magazine is reporting that EU member states are drawing up proposals that would allow telecoms groups to prioritize certain services to ensure that the network worked properly in stark contrast to a ruling by the FCC that will effectively ban differentiating the speed of services. So it seems like perhaps this is a reaction to what happened in the States, that they are coming up with something that is in the exact opposite direction. One thing that they do tend to do here that the U.S. doesn't is try and ensure that as many people as possible have internet access. I won't use the word broadband access because the FCC recently defined broadband as, what, 25 megabits per second or more, um, which, well, you only get here if you have fiber. You never get that on DSL. But especially in France, you could get broadband internet access, DSL access, probably in 98% of the country. It was extremely common. Um, as to how this is going to play out, this is really this is really from yesterday, what I'm reading here. Um, so it's very possible that this is going to become an issue. Um, but one of the big differences is as thing as as data crosses borders, I think this is only going to work if there is a pan-European ruling 
rather than each individual country deciding how they want to deal with it. So it wouldn't be a problem there if Netflix went to one of these ISPs and said, here's an extra $30 million a year, give us prioritization. Well, that's what it looks like. It looks like this is what the EU is um, suggesting. Now, we know that in the States, Netflix has already paid certain ISPs. In order but to you get- see, their trick is they don't say it's for a fast lane. They say it gives us the opportunity to put our servers in their data centers for more efficient transmission, which is kind right. of like weasel wording. Right. I'm really not sure what's going to happen here, but it's not something you read about a lot. Um, as I said, it looks like it's something we will be reading about soon. Net neutrality. So why do you think it's so politically charged here? Why? Do you have the fear-mongering? Oh, the Internet's going to slow down. Oh, the government's going to control the Internet. Well, this is obviously lobbying groups that are expressing all of this negative message about net neutrality. You know, it, it's very interesting because, uh, so this is a question that comes up whenever I talk about healthcare. care. Um, I've been living in Europe for more than 30 years, and I've lived in two countries with universal health care, both of which are quite different in the way they implement it. Um, but both France and the UK have single-payer healthcare systems that are run by the state. Americans, because of the extremely intense libertarian strain in American politics, you get these very loud voices saying, oh, the government can't run it. The government's going to mess it up. Yet, when you ask them what they think of Medicare, they're going to say, oh, Medicare is great, but they don't make the connection that the government is running Medicare. It's the right wing is very, very, very loud and vociferous in the United States, and they just don't want the government to do anything. They should, probably shouldn't be in politics if they don't want to be have the government running things, because you know all these right wing politicians are the government. I see no reason why the government shouldn't be regulating internet access and even mobile phone access as utilities. Um, I would welcome that here. I think regulations here are probably a lot more in that direction than they are in the U.S. And remember, the United States is a very, very large country. Much of the country gets broadband over cable, which is pretty much non-existent here. The UK does have a small cable network run by Virgin, but it's essentially in big cities. Um, You don't have the fact that a certain company laid cable in a certain part of the country and pretty much controls access in given cities, counties, states, whatever. Uh, Over here, it was always the historical telephone company that laid all the telephone lines. So in France, it was a company called France Telecom, which laid the lines that meant that telephone access was provided everywhere. The, The French actually did something interesting. The company that manages the internet backbone in France, not the data, but the actual lines, is the company that manages the railway, not the trains, but the tracks right? They're two separate companies. So they basically laid fiber alongside railroad tracks all through the country, which is one of the reasons why France has such good internet access. Uh, Here in the UK, it's different. Uh, It's just, it was all just regular copper phone lines. So you don't get the same level of quality. Well, the thing to bear in mind also too, is that here our problem is competition. So if the cable company has access in your city, There's probably not an alternative. In some places, you have a telecom, but quite often that telecom is giving you a DSL, which means the DSL is different speed up and down, and it's often quite a bit slower. So you want really good performance. You're stuck with the cable guy. There isn't a second source. Now we're starting to see 
a glimmer of competition in some cities because Google is laying Google Fiber. And suddenly... But that's only in a handful of cities, right? Right. But suddenly the other ISPs are saying, wait, they're going to spread this. They're going to move around the country. Now let's find our own way to offer gigabit with existing cable technology, not laying fiber to the home, but laying fiber to the pedestal or the central network thing. So that's how Cox does it. So we have Cox Communications, which is the major cable provider in the Phoenix area. The other provider is CenturyLink, which is the result of a merger between Quest, a telecom, and CenturyLink. Now, what I learned here is that Cox, for example, is offering gigabit internet in different parts of Phoenix. They claim their entire service area will have it in the next year or two, but they're doing tricks. They're laying fiber to what they call the pedestal or the network interface. So what Cox is doing, though, is also redesigning the cable modem to handle more multiple streams that also boost speed. At the end of the day, the claim is gigabit internet. And I talked to one of their service people who says they routinely reach 950 megabits up and down. That's a good enough compromise. We'll get into more of this in a moment. Kirk McElhern is here. So am I. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Extend your life with Extendovite. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendovite. 
I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy is close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the, the gut, it's working on the liver, it's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction auction your products and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live with a reminder. We would like you to check out Tech Night Out Plus, which is our special new service. You go to plus.technightout.com, plus.technightout.com, and we offer right now a higher resolution version of the show free of 41 minutes of network ads. So it runs faster and it sounds better. We'll have more features soon. Plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Subscription fees are really low. Kirk McElhern is here. We're talking about the fact that in some areas we're seeing, and maybe because of the threat of Google Fiber, gigabit internet. What about in Europe? Are we seeing that anywhere yet? Uh, I'm not sure how it is in big cities. Uh, I was When I first moved to the UK, I lived in New York for eight months. And several months ago, the government here announced that York would be the sort of pilot city to get everyone on gigabit internet. Now, I'm not sure how they're going to do it because the center of York is an old protected area with old Elizabethan and Tudor buildings and cobblestone streets. And apparently they can't dig these streets up very often to lay cables. So I'm not sure how they'll do it in the center of the city, but apparently it's one of their plans. Um, one thing you mentioned is interesting. The, the fact that you've got a cable company that owns the cable 
means that no one else has access. The difference over here is since the historical telephone companies laid basically the copper, the, the phone lines, any company has access. So you have one company that manages the network, and here it's BT, the former British Telecom, but they have to provide access to any other company that wants it. I guess this means we get a lot more competition. We don't get fiber where I am. You can get fiber in some cities. I, I think it's only BT who's laying the fiber and doing it the same way, basically allowing any company to have access. So you're much more limited in terms of competition. However, it sounds like you're lucky that your cable company is providing access, which, quite frankly, is well above what 99.9% of people need in terms of internet speed. Supposedly, the price isn't much higher. Right now, the highest price when you are past your discounts, they have all sorts of bundling discounts. But if you get past that and you just call them up and say, give me 150 megabits, it's about $100 a month. Supposedly, gigabits only going to be $30 more. And I guess that's because of the competition. Google Fiber is what, $79.99 or something like that. And AT&T is supposedly doing the gigabit thing in some of their service areas. So this is about to spread. And that's fine. If you live in an area where the population is concentrated enough to make it worthwhile to have higher speed. But if you're sitting there in the country like you are, you're lucky to get five or 10 megabits. Yeah, I'm, I'm under five. When I moved here, it was two, and it's been going up. And, and the last time I checked, it was about 4.4. It's interesting, the price that you mentioned there. What, what did you say, 100, 130? Because if I were to get fiber from my provider, who is EE, I'd be paying about 30 pounds a month. And that includes the phone line, because you still get a phone line. 30 pounds is about 45, between 45 and $50 a month. So you're paying twice as much as what you'd pay here for pretty much the same service. Now, where I am, there is the county to which my phone is connected. It's not the county I live in. I'm just over the border. Warwickshire, my phone is connected to an exchange in Warwickshire. And they have a big broadband plan, and they're rolling out fiber all over the place. And this is part of why my internet speed has increased from basically just over two to now over four megabits is because they're adding a lot of fiber backbone. So the data everywhere is going to be quicker. Eventually, it'll be fiber to the cabinet. Now, I think the maximum with fiber to the cabinet is 38 megabits. If I can get even 15 or 20, I'll be delighted. All right. Of course, it depends on how much they charge you for it. It's the same price. That's the same thing, by the way, with Cox's service. I know when I had their high-tier service several years ago, it was like 50, 60 megabits. And they are now offering 150 to people with that plan. So they keep increasing the speed. And that's done, of course, as I said, doing tricks with the cable modem and also laying more fiber. But they're never going to do fiber to the home. That's way, way too expensive. They've got to do it with smoke and mirrors. All right. So that's internet Always a topic of importance because I think so many people are not getting the full performance. We're talking about 4K videos. We're talking about Apple and Apple TV, and maybe they'll offer more resolution with the next Apple TV if they introduce one. And if you live in an area where you're getting five megabits maximum, it doesn't matter. You're not able to get it. Let's move to another topic here because we have Apple event coming up, the Spring Forward event, not because of daylight savings time, but because obviously the Apple Watch connection. It's about time. Many of you will hear this episode after that event. So I'm going to be light on the predictions and focus more on the realities. 
So there's an article you did at Kirkville at McElhern.com that talks about how many models the Apple Watch conundrum. Is that all because of the various watch bands they offer? Well, there are three variables here. One is the size of the watch. There are two sizes, um, 38 and 42 millimeters. The second is the color. Each of the models has two colors. So the aluminum has a silvery color and a space gray. The stainless steel has a silvery stainless steel and a gray as well. And the gold has a, a yellow gold and a pink gold, whatever. So you've got two sizes, two colors for each of them. Um, and three watches, so three times two times two is, do the math, 12. But then okay. when you factor in all the different uh, watch bands, so for the Apple Watch Sport, they say there's going to be five different colored watch bands. Now, if you take the two sizes, the two colors, the five bands, that's 20 different combinations. Um, the mid-range Apple Watch without modifier has 24 combinations because they say there's going to be six bands. And for the Apple Watch edition, it's not clear. They say six uniquely elegant expressions of Apple Watch, whatever that means. We're looking at a minimum of 68 different combinations. Um, but if you add all of this up with potentially other watch bands that you can take from one and put to another, basically my question is, are they going to sell one model of each watch per size per color with a stock watch band and sell all the watch bands separately? Or are they going to have... 68 different SKUs and a huge stock room with all these different colors and combinations. It doesn't make a lot of sense from a supply chain point of view to say to someone that they come in for a watch and they want a specific color and they can't get it because only in the small size space gray sports watch, they've only got red and blue, for instance. It makes it far too complicated both for the consumer and for the salespeople in the Apple stores and wherever else it's going to be sold. So I'm wondering if what they're going to do is sell you a base model with a single watch band and let you buy an additional watch band rather than make all of these different combinations different boxes, as it were. Well, they point out how easy it is to exactly. remove the watch band. So obviously exactly. it would sound to me logical, using that phrase from the late Mr. Spock, obviously only logical Yeah, that no, they that, would offer that, three basic models and you... Choose the watch band you want and you buy it. We got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation, compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7 and take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hug a Mac for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugamac, bitdefender.com backslash hugamac.
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Hi. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. And we're talking about the model proliferation of Apple Watch. And he says the best way to do it is to offer the Apple Watch, the Sport, etc., and offer the Edition, the three versions, as a basic package with a simple band as part of the package. And then if you want a better band, you buy it. But does that also create the market for third parties to provide well, Apple Watch compatible watch bands and you can have thousands of varieties exactly and what i say in my article is it's not clear yet whether apple is going to license this now i don't know exactly whether they would need to license it um it's probably not a patented connector that they have but you never know assuming they do have to license it and they do license it i can see this being just like the the ipod case and later the iphone case market that sort of aftermarket thing is always good for the original product. It creates more buzz around the product. It makes it more personalizable. If you could buy an Apple Watch watch band any place, you might find a really nice watch band and think, oh yeah, you know, this would look good on my watch. And that might even tempt you to buy the watch a bit more. So I would almost expect that that Apple's going to do this. They might not do it right out of the gate. They might let the watch market, what would be the word? Not develop, oh, but, but sort of reach its its summit. Because what's going to happen? We, we know exactly how this is going to work. Whatever they have on the first day, it's going to sell out right away. And it's going to be in short supply. And it's going to take a couple of months for them to reach the demand. And it's at that point we're going to see if all the people who were just interested because it's a new gadget, who will have bought it in the first couple of months, after three or six months. So basically, when we get to Christmas, at the end of the year, we'll have a better idea whether this is a success or not. Perhaps Apple will wait until that point to allow other companies to make bands, or maybe they'll do it right away. I don't know. It would create a whole different market here because you're talking about a piece of jewelry. You have the basic watch. You could choose from dozens, thousands of different watch bands. You can create your own look if you don't like it. You buy another band, you change it. This is my Monday band. This is my Tuesday band. But let's look at this other thing here about pricing. Do you think, therefore, the basic pricing of the three models is going to be not quite what we think, especially the addition, and that the real cost factor is going to be the fancy watch bands that go with it? Well, I think there's two things to consider here. The first is that we know one of the prices already. We know that 349 is going to be the base price for the Apple Watch Sport. And we, we no, Apple never said it was going to be the Apple Watch Sport, but we know that's the, the least expensive model. It has an aluminum body instead of stainless steel or gold. It has a glass crystal instead of sapphire. What my speculation is that the middle-line Apple Watch without modifier, I wish they had a better name for the Apple Watch, which is not the Apple Watch Sport and the Apple Watch Edition. I'm guessing it's going to come in under $500 because, remember, you still need an iPhone to make this work. So it's not a standalone device. That that puts the price well over $1,000. It's not something that's cheap. Now, if you were to get, if you're going to get the basic leather watch band that Apple displays with the Apple Watch um, or the plastic one with the Sport, these are probably not going to be expensive. But when you look at the stainless steel bands with the links and the, the chains and all that, these looks look like, I have no idea what a watch band like that costs, but I'm thinking that these are easily going to be $100 watch bands, if not more, for some of them. The Apple Watch Edition comes with a couple of watch bands 
that have gold buckles. So remember, you're going to be paying for the gold there as well. Another thing to point out, the Apple Watch Edition, when you look at the pictures on the Apple website, there is a colored thing on the side of the digital crown that matches the watch band. So there are a couple of possibilities. One, it's each watch is only sold with a particular colored watch band. Would surprise me because the watch band is removable. Two, the watch band comes with a digital crown. Or three, it comes with an insert into the digital crown. Now, the insert idea is a little bit tricky because it would be easy to damage when you're taking it out. You know, you'd have to have a little tool to pry it out of the, the digital crown. And I would think it's too simple to damage it that way. So I'm kind of guessing that they're going to actually have separate digital crowns. Although, I don't know, it's up in the air. Well, let's not get in too much detail here because we'll see the real product. And I'm not going to ask you one more thing. Maybe I'll ask you, but let's keep it brief. Do you think Apple's going to future-proof it by saying, you know what, you can always replace the module for a couple hundred dollars, and it's always going to be a brand new watch? I wrote about this a few weeks ago. We don't know how much the Apple Watch Edition is going to cost. My guess is around $2,000. I don't buy into the ten dollars or $20,000 prices that people have been speculating. Even at that price, the idea of tossing a gold watch to buy a new one because there's new hardware and new software that doesn't run on yours um, is ludicrous. I think that they're definitely going to have an upgrade path for the gold version, And if they can do that for the gold version, they can do it for any of them. I think it's just kind of ridiculous to not offer it. You know, obviously, a a $350 watch, you could say, "Mm, okay, not necessary to upgrade. But for the mid-range one, if it's five or 600 or whatever, that's a lot of money when you're considering that you've shelled out for a band, you've shelled out for the body. I, I think at a minimum, the addition will be upgradable and maybe the others It'll be very interesting to see if Apple does this because, you know, one of the criticisms of Apple computers has often been that you can't upgrade them. Um, there have been upgradable Apple computers in the past. Remember the the, the MacBook Pro, the cheese grater MacBook Pro, you could switch things out. Um, but they never really got upgraded. I mean, I, I don't even remember if you could buy like a new motherboard for one of those computers to upgrade it. So... It would really be the first time, if Apple does make this upgradable, that they've got a whole product line that is upgradable. All right. Well, we will know the answer very likely. Before, In a few days. Sure. So let's just leave it at that. We may know the answer by the time this is heard. So we'll see what happens. Other than getting one for review, Kirk McElhern, would you buy one? Assuming it's 349 it's $500, something like that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to buy one because I write about it. Apple's not going to send me one for review because this is Apple. If it wasn't an Apple product, I would not buy it right away. I mean, I don't, I'm not convinced that we need smartwatches like this. Um, And of course, this is one of the big problems. Can they create the market that so far no one else has been able to create? Uh, I tried a Pebble for a while and I've tried a number of fitness trackers. Um, fitness trackers are interesting, but they're ugly. The pebble is hard to read and it's ugly and it's very limited. Um, will Apple be able to make a compelling enough product that really gets people to
to put out the money and to wear something on their wrist all day long, which is something that I don't do currently. So I will buy one. Um, depending on the price, I would probably opt for the stainless steel if it's not too expensive. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, if anyone from Apple's listening, I'd love to get a unit for review, but we know Apple. They don't do that. Although we also know that some former Macworld staffers are now working at Apple. So maybe, you know. Let's see what Apple does here. Obviously, they're not pushing for the tech crowd. They're advertising in Vogue magazine. So they're looking for the fashion crowd. And well, I don't think it's that they're looking for the fashion crowd. I think that they're trying to go beyond the tech crowd. Um, they've been selling this to the tech crowd now for months, and now they're trying to reach the fashion crowd as well. I think they're pretty sure that the tech crowd and the fitness crowd are going to be interested in this to start with. I think it only works, it, it only becomes mainstream if people start wearing it as jewelry. Now, personally, I don't think it's very attractive. I think it's quite difficult to make a watch like this look nice. It's clunky. It looks geeky. It looks like, I don't know, an, an, the first iPad compared to today's iPads or, or the Newton compared to today's iPhone, that kind of thing. Let's do the break here. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Minds think alike. The network for the independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com are you hungry for delicious, nutritious, rich, and satisfying home-cooked meals? Discover the Vita Clay 4-in-1 Smart Organic Cooker. Unglazed Zisha Clay, an ancient secret that makes this fast multi-cooker so special. Infusing your food with incredible flavors, perfect texture, vitamins, and minerals for your good health. It's a slow cooker, rice cooker, a steamer, plus a yogurt maker. Go to VitaClayChef.com and enter promo code RADIO20 for 20% off at checkout. That's VitaClayChef.com. This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S., Thank you for taking time to learn more about how you could support March for Babies in 2015. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. 
Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. So who else will you meet at the Get Prepared Expo? For starters, from Republic Broadcasting, John Moore and John Statmiller. From GCN, Aaron and Brad Dakins, Joyce Riley, and me, Vincent Finelli. Joining us are the instructors whom you've learned to trust. Surgeon of the Year, Dr. Norman Shealy. Engineer, Matt Stein. The real Fox Mulder of the X-Files, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Author and analyst, Captain John Reagan. Your counter-terrorist from Central America, Mike Ma. Dental center owner and my dentist, Dr. Howard Shane. Radiation instructor, Craig Douglas. Author and survivalist, Rich Sheban. Author, Judy Dollarheit. Cancer Center owner from Mexico, Dr. Patrick Vickers. Bug out expert and pilot, Captain Bill Sermo. Beekeeper, Jeff Maddox. Seedsman, Mike Knox. Author, Gayla Pruitt. Author, Harry Cooper. Food expert, Joe Acapinti. And Bill Whaley, the junk man. March 27, 28, and 29. GetPreparedExpo.com, the largest preparedness and survival expo in the USA. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. I'm going to leave the Apple Watch discussion because, like I said, a lot of what we might say, we'll know by the time possibly you hear the show. So let's go on. There's a series you're running over at your site, Kirkville at McElhern.com, how I would fix iTunes. And the fact that you're up to part eight already says you've got a lot of things to suggest about fixing it. Pray tell what? Ah, yes. Um, Let me count the ways. Well, I'm up to number eight today. Is that it? The day that we're recording this. Um, I started this uh, last week, and I've been running one a day. Um, A lot of this has come from... Basically, this started by the fact that there are so many syncing problems, and I get so many emails from people about sync problems, and I started thinking, well, syncing needs to be fixed, but what else needs to be fixed? So I made a very long list of the many things that I think need to be fixed in iTunes, and I'm probably going to get up to about 20 parts in this series. Uh, I keep adding to my list, and I get emails from people saying, oh, yeah, what about this? So it, it's actually kind of interesting because I'm getting good feedback from readers on, A, how many people agree with me, but also um, how many people think that there are other things that need to be fixed. And, and while a lot of people criticize iTunes, I get an awful lot of readers who say, look, I really like iTunes. I just wish it worked better. Okay. So what do you think are the worst things that iTunes does? Well, the worst problem is syncing. 
syncing doesn't work for a lot of people. And that was part six of my series. I didn't want to make it the first one because I've got a couple of other posts. I've got one post about syncing problems. It's got, I don't know, about 60 comments so far um, with people basically explaining, yeah, this is the problem I have. I've never been able to sync my iPhone 6, for instance, some people are saying. Um, when you buy a device with a certain amount of storage because you want to put things in it. You're not going to be able to download all of that. Not all of us have fiber or cable or whatever that's fast enough to be able to download things. You're not going to buy all your content from Apple. Um, you've got CDs that you've ripped and you've got DVDs perhaps that you've ripped. Um, you need to be able to get those on your device. And there are people who either have just bought a new device and simply cannot sync it or have, after upgrading to iOS 8 and iTunes 12, found that they couldn't sync their devices. Some people find that, let's say, they want to sync a lot of music. They can only get maybe 100 songs at a time, and they're trying to add a lot of music, and they have to sync over and over. One of the biggest problems, in my opinion, is that Apple is pretending that this is not a problem. Uh, I've gotten comments from people and emails saying they've gone to Genius Bars, they've called Apple on the phone, Apple says maybe you need to get a new computer. Apple's support team is simply pretending this is not a problem. They're just sticking their fingers in their ears. Um, the number of posts on Apple's forums, the number of emails I get and comments I get, suggest that it's a widespread problem. Now, widespread could be just 1% of people, because remember, there's hundreds of millions of iOS devices, and this is clearly affecting those people, A, who don't buy all their stuff from Apple, and B, probably people with larger media libraries. So if you've got 500 songs or 1,000 songs, you may not have a problem. Uh, but when you get a lot more, uh, this is, it seems this is where the problems are arising. All right. What is it about Apple? This is their most important piece of software, probably. iTunes. It's, it's the, the most center widely point. used piece of software because it's the only app that they have that's used on uh, Windows as well, not counting things like QuickTime. Um, but it's, it's the gateway app for the Apple universe. So why do we have all these problems? Syncing is hard. It's complicated. Um, now, this syncing files isn't quite as hard as syncing data. As you know, you've worked with databases. Um, syncing data is a little more difficult because you can get um, what's called collisions, where two sources have entered data in the same field on the same record, and you've got to determine which one to keep. Syncing files isn't quite that hard, but it's still very complicated. To deal with an album art problem a few weeks ago, I delved into the, the actual database um, that's stored on an iPhone to look at it and to try and figure out what was happening. And it's a pretty darn complex database with lots of fields and lots of records. So it's not easy. It, it's, it's something that has a lot of variables. Um, this said, we've been syncing to iPods since, what, 2001. Um, and this is th these sync problems, by the way, they're only happening on iOS devices. They're not happening on the iPod Classic or the iPod Nano or any older iPods that you might have. These work fine. I've got an iPod Classic, 160 gig. Uh, I can sync, I can add music, remove music anytime I want with no problem. So there's clearly something that's iOS related that's going on here. Um, why is Apple ignoring it? I don't know. It makes it suspicious that Maybe they just don't know how to fix it. I mean, they, they could spend a billion bucks to fix iTunes. They've got this is chump change for them. 
it may not be that easy to get enough good developers, but it's really something they got to fix. It's just, it makes the company look bad when you see this many complaints about what's really one of the most basic operations that you do with an iOS device. iTunes. So we wonder why Apple doesn't fix certain things. Certainly they're spending a lot of money to develop a lot of new products. Well, I don't know if it's a lot of new products. Um, There are rumors talking about it. Well, you remember, too, that they might be developing lots of products you never see because they get to the prototype stage or they get to early development stage and they say, no, this is not going to make it. Let's move on. And if, uh, if anyone has missed the interview with a profile of Johnny Ive in the New Yorker a few weeks ago, um, Mr. Ive explains basically that, you know, they go through a lot of products that they build and that just never, nothing ever gets done with them. And this is normal for a company like that. Um, but iTunes is, again, it's the gateway app to the Apple universe um, you know, imagine that you just got yourself a brand new iPhone 6. And this happened to me when I had the iPhone 6 for a short period of time. The first sync went fine. And when I wanted to add some more music, everything just went wrong and I couldn't sync it. Um, and it was a disaster. Um, our friend Rob Griffiths had the same problem. He actually wrote to Tim Cook and some Apple executive found the problem, saw his email and put him in touch with some people. And they found that in his case, the syncing problem was caused because there were duplicate purchase tracks in his iTunes library, which, of course, wasn't his fault. Um, now, he had more syncing problems after he got rid of the dupes, so that's not the only issue. And uh, people who I've been in touch with who got rid of their duplicates, who found that they too had duplicates, uh, have still had syncing problems. So there are certain issues that have been singled out, but there are others that are coming up. My my. My speculation is that there's some code in iOS 8 that is going to be used when Apple comes out with a streaming music service. Um, that this code is interfering with the syncing because I kind of have a feeling that you're going to be able to both stream tracks and have your own tracks in the library and that they'll be mixed together. So the database has to take care of different types of files and data. And I have a feeling that's what's messing things up. Because this was very, while there were problems like this before iOS 8, they were far less rampant than they are now. Well, it looks like the adoption rate of iOS 8 is not as bad as some might have expected. I think Apple listed at 75%. Recently, mixed panel trends is up to like 78 or 79%. When iOS 8 came out, iOS 7 had 91%. So it looks like it's going to be in the 80s. By the time yeah, this is finished. A, a lot of this is because the last iOS update made it possible to apply an update without having a lot of free storage. In the early days, you would need like five gigabytes of free storage. And since a 16 gigabyte device has less than 13 gigabytes free um, and people have apps and photos and music and all, they didn't have room. So they couldn't update as quickly, which is unlike what was happening with iOS 7 where I don't think this was ever really a problem. I don't recall ever seeing under a previous iOS the kind of message saying you don't have enough space unless it was really down to the last couple hundred megabytes. So the uptake is a little bit slower in iOS uh, 8 because of this, but I think that they've fixed this problem now. There's supposed to be an iOS 8.2 coming, possibly this week, and 8.3, and maybe things that bug us 
won't bug us quite as much when those releases come out. Of course, by summer, we'll hear about iOS 9. So maybe that'll be the fixer-upper. That seems to be what Apple's going to be doing. One thing that the iOS 8.3 update apparently is going to do is fix a lot of problems with the health app. Uh, And this, of course, is going to be in time for the uh, Apple Watch, which one of the main features that Apple's touting is fitness and health. You know what? We'll get into worse fitness and health if we don't break. Kirk McElhern is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. By now, you heard about Bitcoins. But did you know that over 65,000 businesses accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Because at BidBit.co, you can receive Bitcoins by selling your personal items or business products. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products quickly, easily, and securely at BidBit.co. That's B-I-D-B-I-T.co. BidBit.co. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'd like to ask you to go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Check out Tech Night Owl Plus where we give you higher quality audio copy of the show without the network commercials for a modest monthly annual or five-year subscription fee, plus.technightout.com. We have Kirk McElhern. We've been talking so far about net neutrality, how it's viewed in Europe, speculation about Apple Watch or Apple Watch confusion because the potential of so many models, about fixing iTunes. And one subject I want to seize on with regard to iTunes is iTunes Match. And I don't think Apple ever solved the problem that some of us observed early on 
where songs we know Apple has in iTunes aren't matched. So iTunes match dates back to iTunes 10. Is that it? Yeah. Um, when iTunes 11 came out, I deleted my iTunes Max library and I rematched everything. And I did the same with iTunes 12. I, my main music library does not use iTunes Max because I have far too much music, but my MacBook Pro has a small test library that I use. And I saw exactly the same thing. On some albums, five or six out of 10 or 12 tracks would match. Um, in some cases, an entire album would match. In some case, one track wouldn't, but in some a number of tracks would not match, and this hasn't changed. So I don't think they've changed their matching algorithm at all. Now, the argument here is that 25,000 songs is not enough. And what is Google offering free 50,000 songs? They've just upped theirs from 20 to 50,000. And Amazon is 250,000. But there's a question of usability here. Um, I would say that iTunes Match is arguably much more usable because of the easy way you can combine tracks that you have physically in your library or on your device with tracks that you're going to be streaming. Um, The matching problem does two things. One, it means that you're going to be uploading a lot of data when you do your first match and, and subsequent matches. And this uploading process sometimes can take days um, and sort of times out. You have to reach, restart it to try and get it to work. And the second thing is that you can have very different quality tracks. You can have like an old 128 kilobit MP3 file that gets matched and you get the 256K AAC file for some of them, but for the others, you get the older file. So it makes it relatively uneven in terms of quality. Um, In addition, let's say you've got um, an album where the tracks run together, the classic example, of course, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. If half of the tracks match and half of them don't, you may get gaps when you're playing back because the tracks that matched and didn't match um, may have a different uh, amount of time at the beginning of them. So you may get gaps in the playback. But you're not going to make a prediction whether Apple will fix all this stuff. I, I almost think that Apple's going to get rid of iTunes Match when they come out with their streaming service. Or they're going to somehow roll it into the streaming service. Um, but it would, they could only really do that if everything matches correctly. In other words, that Apple, my, my thought about the streaming service is that you'll be able to add entries, let's say, in iTunes for songs you want in your library that are streamed next to songs you have that are local. So basically uh, here, this will be a streaming service that offers not just stuff online, but what you already own that could be part of the mix. Exactly. So anything that you have that's either in or not in the iTunes store um, that's locally on your computer, you'll be able to listen to, and you'll be able to make a playlist combining songs you have and songs that you stream. Uh, this makes a lot more sense than a separate streaming service. Um, it's it's not that far from Match when you think about it, because that's how Match works. You're you're playing songs that are on your computer and you're downloading and then playing songs that are in the cloud. All this would add is a, a third location. Um, in other words, instead of it being in the cloud, it would be pure streaming, and the file probably wouldn't be stored on your computer. It would just be a, a kind of a, a placeholder in iTunes to let you manipulate it such as you know to create a playlist so i i kind of think that if itunes match is still continued after the streaming service somehow it's going to be rolled into this streaming service 
rather than being its own standalone $25 a year service. And that's that's a big point as well. iTunes Match is not that expensive for what it is, 25 bucks a year. Um, most streaming services in the U.S. are $10 a month, $120 a year. Reports are that Apple's trying to get that down to around eight, so it would be less than 100 a year. Uh, I would expect as such that the iTunes Match is included in that price. And maybe you'll never use the streaming, but would you want to pay 100 bucks a year for it? Or maybe you'll never use the match part, in which case it's just a pure streaming subscription. iTunes match. Who knows where we go with that? I don't know. Let's look at a few other things before we let you go and leave the building with Elvis or whatever. Okay. So we have predictions about new products, predictions of where Apple's going to go. What about an Apple car? I find this idea so ridiculous that the only thing I have to say about it is that it doesn't make sense for Apple to build a car. Um, it does make sense for Apple to build products that go in cars. Um, we've already seen CarPlay, but perhaps Apple's working on something bigger, an actual hardware product that goes into a car that does CarPlay and more. Um, things like heads-up displays, the better mapping, that makes a lot of sense for Apple. Um, it just doesn't make sense for Apple to be building a car. They don't have the know-how to build that kind of product. Um, it doesn't have the product margin um, that Apple's used to. It requires years and years to build factories and get the people to build it. I mean, why would I think, you know, this all started because some people saw these funny-looking vans that had cameras on them driving around. Why did anyone think that this meant that they were building a car rather than uh, filming and taking pictures like Google Street View? Now, to be fair, some of the folks I've talked to over at Mac Observer feel they've got intelligence that indicates a car is being worked on. And there are reports that Apple hiring executives from the auto industry who would only be involved in preparing to manufacture a motor vehicle. Well, or preparing to manufacture something that goes in a motor vehicle. So let's imagine, so here, there are two possibilities as far as I can see. One is the sort of dashboard um, hardware that, you know, in many cars, not mine, has GPS, um, connects to your phone with Bluetooth, etc. Apple's got CarPlay for that, but maybe building hardware could be more useful. The other is building in some sort of in-car entertainment system, so when your kids are in the back seats, they've got the equivalent of iPads in the seats in front of them. This, of course, exists. Other companies do this. But maybe Apple can do it better and leverage their own uh, a sort of smaller version of the Apple TV software um, and access to the iTunes store so people can you know, stream something on the fly when they're driving. Just the idea of a car, it's, it's just too... It doesn't make sense for a company like Apple. Well, you know, I'm not going to say that their intelligence is wrong. Maybe it is all about working on different technological add-ons for the car, such as the dashboard. And the other argument people make about cars is that a car is a mature product. It's not like tablets or smartphones or music players. Is there something about cars that's ripe for the picking 
And I can see areas of the car experience that are bad. I think the infotainment systems on most cars are perfectly awful. It's one of the most popular items of complaint in the JED Power Survey of new cars. Not that the engine goes bad or the transmission slips out of gear or it won't start. It's the audio system is a bear to use. It's the fact that the voice recognition systems are hit or miss. Sometimes you have to say, call home six times before it realizes it's you said call home. Sometimes you want to change a station with voice recognition. It doesn't recognize it. It may not pair with your smartphone or it will pair with your smartphone. Then the next time you start the engine, and this is something very normal, it doesn't pick it up. So what do you do? Do you either start the engine again or restart your phone? More to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. The freeze-dry guy, a leader in the preparedness industry for 44 years, is closing his California warehouse. Don't miss out on this huge warehouse sale and receive discounts from 30 to 40% off on the finest mountain house and pack-away brand freeze-dried and dehydrated foods for long-term food storage or even everyday use. Plus deep discounts on all in-stock survival gear. The freeze-dry guy is offering a wide selection of freeze-dried foods in number 10 cans and even individually packaged entrees. Remember, meats, vegetables, fruits, and long-range patrol rations are the main components for any long-term food storage. This is limited to stock on hand, so hurry and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, as always, free shipping to the lower 48 states. So hurry up and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, this is limited to stock on hand. 
The freeze-dry guy is your choice for survival food in an uncertain world. So who else will you meet at the Get Prepared Expo? For starters, from Republic Broadcasting, John Moore and John Statmiller. From GCN, Aaron and Brad Dakins, Joyce Riley, and me, Vincent Finelli. Joining us are the instructors whom you've learned to trust. Surgeon of the Year, Dr. Norman Shealy. Engineer, Matt Stein. The real Fox Mulder of the X-Files, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Author and analyst, Captain John Reagan. Your counter-terrorist from Central America, Mike Ma. Dental center owner and my dentist, Dr. Howard Shane. Radiation instructor, Craig Douglas. Author and survivalist, Rich Sheevan. Author, Judy Dollarheit. Cancer center owner from Mexico, Dr. Patrick Vickers. Bug-out expert and pilot, Captain Bill Sermo. Beekeeper, Jeff Maddox. Seedsman, Mike Knox. Author, Gayla Pruitt. Author, Harry Cooper. Food expert, Joe Acapinti. And Bill Whaley, the junk man. March 27, 28, and 29. GetPreparedExpo.com, the largest preparedness and survival expo in the USA. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. He's the iTunes guy, by the way, which means he knows everything about Apple's most important or at least most used piece of software. I'll tell you. Oh, by the way, I'm going to mention this. I mentioned it to Kirk already. He hasn't tried it. I haven't either. I will. With Microsoft Office, the routine has always been release the Windows version and then the Mac version comes out months or years later. So there's an Office for 2016 preview for the Mac that's here now, which is coming up pretty much the same time as the Windows version, isn't it? We'll have to take a look and see what that's like. But Microsoft seems to be more interested in just selling product and not worrying about the platform. If Mac users buy it, fine. They want to subscribe to Office 365, we'll take their money. Using iOS, you want Office for iPad, fine. Office for Android, they're paying us money. Who cares what platform they're using? Which makes a lot of sense. Rather than committing to a single platform, obviously they're doing most of their work on Windows, they're hedging their bets. And it does make sense. The web page where you can download the preview says, designed for Mac, thoughtfully optimized for your preferred device. To be fair, Office for Mac has always been a bit different from Office for Windows. In the early versions were actually very different, and it sort of I guess it was around 97 that they sort of homogenized, wasn't it? Um, no, 95. After, after Word 5 or whatever, they homogenized with Office 95, I think. And the Microsoft Office apps are good. You can complain about a lot of things, but they do an awful lot. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's been five years. The previous version of Office was Office 2011, which followed the Windows version 2010. Before that, it was 2008 following the Windows 2007. So as you say, it was about a year later. Um, it's been five years since they've updated it, but it does make sense now that they just build for the world rather than for the platform. Um, you can use it in the cloud. You can use it on any device. You can use it on a Mac. I'm not a big Office user. I rarely use it anymore, actually. Uh, I wouldn't pay for a subscription to it, given the use I have. 
Um, but I, I can't, I don't criticize Microsoft Office. It's good, solid apps. They, they can be hard to figure out, um, but they are well-designed and they generally work pretty well these days. There was a period when they didn't, back in the 90s. Now, just to point out here, with the Office for Mac preview, you do not have to be a member of Office 365, evidently. You just go to the site and download it. Yeah, which is interesting. And I think they're doing this for two reasons. One, to get beta testers, but two, also to try and get more Mac users who have maybe left Office behind to have a look at the new version and eventually subscribe to it. Okay, I'm going to try it and we'll talk about it. Maybe a little bit with Peter Cohen when he comes up after Kirk leaves the building with Elvis. And throughout the week's Office 2016 for Mac. And I have to tell you that Office for iPad is actually pretty decent. The biggest thing about Office for iPad that bugs me, and this is something we can talk about with Kirk when it comes to the iPad, is there's no side-by-side multitasking. I think that's an important feature that Apple ought to add, probably for iOS 9. I can't imagine it's going to come now. There's also talk about a larger iPad like an iPad Pro. But even the 9.7-inch iPad, it needs side-by-side multitasking if you're going to use these productivity apps. Yeah, whenever I'm writing an article, at a minimum, I need my text editor and a web browser. Um, In addition, I often need one or two other apps I couldn't work on an iPad for that reason. It's just too complicated. Switching, copying things is too difficult. Um, It's just too hard. If I did have two windows side by side, it would perhaps be possible. I'd still want to wait and see, and I'd still probably prefer using uh, a laptop. But if I didn't have a laptop and I needed to do some serious work, um, I would certainly prefer having two windows visible at the same time. What bothers me here is why Apple hasn't done it yet. I can't think it's not capable of doing it with good performance. Now, maybe it is. Maybe the fact of the matter is here that most of these iPads have had one gigabit of RAM. We have two with the iPad Air 2, but that might be a limitation right there. It just needs more onboard memory. Otherwise, it'd be a lot of swapping or whatever when you go back and forth between the side-by-side apps. I don't know. I'm only guessing. Well, each window would be rendered separately, and that would probably be a big hit on memory. Even with the the iPad Air, which has two gigabytes, um, I noticed that if I have more than a couple of tabs open in Safari and I switch away and then go back to a tab, it has to reload the page. So Apple has figured out ways to get a lot or very little, but maybe not enough. Yeah, we have a ways to go. I mean, the tablet interface is not finalized yet. I think there's a lot more that can be done. Um, As you said earlier, I hope iOS 9 is, as we've been hearing, a maintenance release rather than something with a bunch of new features that aren't going to work. And I certainly hope the same is the case for iOS, for OS 10, was it going to be 10.11? That that just doesn't work for me, 10.11. And then 10.12. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to be until they change that. It's like, I was thinking the other day, what's going to happen when the iPhone gets to 10? So what we're seeing now is every other year, there's an S version. So we've got the 6 now, next year will be the 6S. So we're about five years away from the iPhone 10. Can you really imagine an iPhone 11, iPhone 17, iPhone 26? They're going to have to change the naming um, for this device eventually. And a lot of us speculated that they would change the naming 
of OS X because, well, 10.10 isn't logical, Mr. Spock. Um, but he's not around to complain. No. But it's interesting to think of the long-term future, and I'm sure Apple's already decided what they're going to do for something like the iPhone. But it's interesting to think what's going to happen when the iPhone can't be numbered in the same sequential order. Is it going to be the iPhone 2.1, the iPhone 2.2, something like that? Um, are they going to change the name of the product? I doubt that. The iPhone is, is a canonical name. The um, iPhone X1, the iPhone X2. I'm being silly. Well, remember the Apple 2CI or whatever, and they had all these funny names back in the day. Um, it's, it's certainly something that needs to be considered. You know, so Office 2016, once Microsoft went from version numbers to year numbers, that made it easy. You just change the year. You don't have to worry about renaming it. Um, but when you have numbers, it's like, so you got the iPad Air, now you have the iPad Air 2. Uh, are we going to have an iPad Air 6, or is it going to be an iPad, what's lighter than Air? Helium? iPad Helium 1 and 2 and 3? That's going to be the high-frequency iPad. They're exactly. They're going to do commercials and say, Hi, this is the iPad Air Helium thing, whatever. <laughs> Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff? Uh, you can find me on Kirkville, McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. You can also get there using Kirkville.net, which is a domain that I've registered but I'm not using yet. Uh, and you can find me at Macworld, where I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column, along with plenty of other stuff. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again in your home, Gene. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care.
Visit criticalhealthnews.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes Lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join our Critical Health News team. Go to criticalhealthnews.com. That's criticalhealthnews.com. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the hosts you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with a host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Peter Cohen of iMore joining us with lots of fun and games. Briefly, as we wrapped up our session with Kirk McElhern, I pointed out that on Thursday, Microsoft made available Office 2016 for Mac, a public beta or preview. And they've also just very recently had an Office 2016 for Windows, haven't they? Indeed. So we're seeing here, whereas Microsoft in the past would produce a Windows version and then wait a while or a longer while for a crippled Mac version. Are they changing their tune? It certainly would appear so. You know, Microsoft seems a lot more uh, interested in uh, supporting Apple users than they have been in years past, so it's great to see. You can download Microsoft Office 2016, the preview, uh, for the Mac right now, and you don't need an Office 365 subscription. You don't even need to sign in uh, like you do with the Windows 10 technical preview. Um, you're just welcome to download it um, and give it a try. So they're giving the software away, and they're they're trying to get Mac users to use it. Well, in the end, they've realized it doesn't matter if somebody uses your product on a Mac or someone uses your product on Windows or on Android or iOS, as long as they pay. If as they long pay, as they pay. Care. 
Yeah, absolutely. By distributing it as widely as possible, they get a much larger base of uh, testers than they would have access to otherwise. So that's another good thing. Microsoft, yeah. And if they pay attention to the testers, that's assuming. Important. I mean, a lot of us have already been using Windows 10. Yeah, I know. I've got it installed on my Mac. I use it in you know a virtual machine environment. I use it with Parallels Desktop, but uh, it's 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 certainly interesting. Well, I'm already trying Outlook for Mac. I hate Outlook for Mac so far. I've never been able to get the thing to work properly. The original releases for Office 2011 were so buggy, I basically had to stop using it. It would crash all the time. Then it seems to get slightly better, but still it's very slow. It was an Outlook for Mac preview that went up some months back. And I don't know what kind of versioning that is compared to the 2016 version. It was a little better, but just slightly better. Outlook uh, uh, for Mac, you know, the one important thing to understand about Outlook for Mac is that it's really not that functional uh, unless you've got an Office 365 subscription. You can download it, you know, without incurring any fee, but you can't really use it unless you've got an Office 365 subscription, which is going to set you back $10 a month. But um, uh, if you, if, if you want parity with what you're used to in a Windows environment, Outlook can offer you, um, uh, you know, a similar user experience. So that that's great. Um, I think probably most Mac users are going to be content with using the, the mail app that's built into OS X, however. Well, obviously, I can't comment too much about how well Microsoft has done. Obviously, they're grafting little bits and pieces from their new interface guidelines, when you look at Word and when you look at Outlook. So that can be good or bad, depending on what you think about Microsoft's interface conventions. Yeah, you know, the, the whole ribbon thing is, uh, is, is, is there. Um, they are taking advantage of uh, technology in Yosemite, though, which is really kind of nice. You know, this, this is the first version of Office that's been optimized for Macs with Retina displays. So if you're using a, uh, a MacBook Pro with Retina display or a 5K iMac, um, you're going to see much... Uh, clearer, crisper um, graphics and text rendering in in Office than you might have otherwise. Um, and of course, you you know the, the the interesting thing about using any Microsoft product is sort of like using any Google product or using any Apple product for that matter. In that the companies that are making these products try to align you with their cloud technology. Microsoft Office is, is no different in this respect. When you sign into a Microsoft Office, uh, the idea is really that you get integrated with OneDrive, um, you know, which is Microsoft's cloud service, and it's uh, it's free to use. And if you've got an Office 365 uh, subscription, you get I think a terabyte of uh, of, of cloud storage capacity through it. You know, um, that's almost worth the license because each user gets the terabyte, and that in and of itself is worth like one license because you're getting the apps free. Yeah, no, it's true. And, uh, you know, there, there are five individual components of Microsoft Office uh, for the Mac. Uh, there's Word, of course, the Word processor, Excel, the spreadsheet, PowerPoint, um, the, the presentation software, ubiquitous presentation software, I guess you could say OneNote, which is also available as a separate download uh, in the Mac App Store, and Outlook, uh, the, the mail program. So you've got five individual components 
uh, in Microsoft Office 2016 um, that, that, that you can give a try to. That one terabyte that you get as part of Office 365 isn't something that's you're only limited to storing Microsoft documents uh, uh, on either. You can really use that for whatever you want. So if, if you need a terabyte of, of storage and you know having up to five installations of Microsoft Office on your Macs or iPads sounds appealing, that $10 a month is pretty easy uh, to justify, to be perfectly frank. No, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's showing that Microsoft, number one, is being a lot more pliable in terms of offering support to Mac users. I would agree. Can you give us some ideas about what you think are the best features? Of Office 365, or I mean, of Office uh, 2016? Yes. Well, at this point, no, because um, as as we're recording this, Gene, the, the 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 software has just been made available, so I really haven't had a chance uh, to look through it yet. But there are some new features that that are probably worth pointing out, like a new design tab in Word um, that provides uh, quick access to design features. Uh, there's a uh, format object task pane that lets you control the way that pictures, uh, shapes, and special effects that you're embedding in your uh, your Word documents are are going to work. Uh, I'm hoping that Excel um, uh, uh, on on the Mac has a lot better parity with its Windows counterpart. Microsoft says that Excel for Mac in in uh, Office 2016 uses a lot of the functions that we see in Excel 2013 uh, for Windows. So um, one, one big improvement is that you're going to be able to use the same keyboard shortcuts that you can use in Excel 2013 for Windows uh, on the Mac version as well. So people who spend all day in spreadsheets uh, may very well like the new Excel uh, quite a bit. PowerPoint gets some new uh, slide transitions, um, uh, improved animations, and uh, a better... Um, uh, system for managing co-authoring. So if you're working on PowerPoint presentations with, with other people, uh, you're going to have an easier time collaborating with them. Uh, OneNote is, has, has sort of existed independently. OneNote is, uh, is Microsoft's answer to Evernote or uh, Notability or other note-taking apps. Uh, very heavily dialed into the Microsoft ecosystem. Uh, you know, again, it really requires you to, to, um, uh, to, to have some buy-in to their OneDrive cloud system. But uh, it's a great way of sharing notes, um, collaborating with, with other people, uh, and making sure that your notes look the same on your Mac as they do on your iPad or your iPhone. Okay. Now, how does this help Microsoft? Does this free them from a lot of the Windows problems? If they're getting more business from other platforms, they don't have to be as concerned if people aren't adopting Windows in as great numbers. Yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, you know, Microsoft is still the dominant uh, operating system provider in the world, so there, there are no danger of, of, of that toppling. Uh, you know, Apple is certainly doing what it can to sell more Macs and has been selling more Macs proportional to PCs for a long time now. Uh, but it makes sense for Microsoft to uh, focus more on services um, and being a, a service provider uh, than being, you know, all things to all people and the platform in and of itself. I think that uh, that it's very smart to to try to dial in Mac users uh, to a very equitable experience using Office instead of second class, which is how we felt for many, many years now. So if Microsoft gives Mac users more 
serious intent, good for everyone. We have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. It's no secret that government and big business buy in bulk and get huge discounts not available to the little guy. Until now. Introducing a breakthrough crowd-buying website where people can join together, buy in bulk, and get massive discounts on millions of popular products. It's Togethersave.com. Togethersave.com. You can save 20, 30, or even 50% off tablets, smartphones, cars, appliances, textbooks, sports equipment, video games, and much more. All with free delivery. Check it out. Togethersave.com. Visit now and start group buying today at Togethersave.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. The freeze-dry guy, leader in the preparedness industry for 44 years, is closing his California warehouse. Don't miss out on this huge warehouse sale and receive discounts from 30 to 40% off on the finest mountain house and pack-away brand freeze-dried and dehydrated foods for long-term food storage or even everyday use. Plus deep discounts on all in-stock survival gear. The freeze-dry guy is offering a wide selection of freeze-dried foods in number 10 cans and even individually packaged entrees. Remember, meats, vegetables, fruits, and long-range patrol rations are the main components for any long-term food storage. This is limited to stock on hand, so hurry and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, as always, free shipping to the lower 48 states. So hurry up and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, this is limited to stock on hand. The freeze-dry guy is your choice for survival food in an uncertain world. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract, paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise, can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body 
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. So once again, Office 2016 for Mac, available for download from Microsoft's site. You do not need an Office 365 subscription. I think the preview is a 60-day preview, so we assume that within those 60 days, there'll be another preview and another preview. At some point in time, they'll expect that or hope that you're going to upgrade to Office 365. Do you think with this release, Microsoft is going to abandon retail sales of these apps and just make it cloud subscriptions like Adobe's done? No, I've already heard from their PR agency. Microsoft is not going to uh, release uh, Office 2016 exclusively as an Office 365 release. You'll be able to buy it in some downloadable form with a, um, a license that's eternal, if you will, you know, just like you can with Office 2011. They'll do whatever it takes to sell product. Yeah, I guess you could say that. All right. That's Microsoft. Let's move on here. Apple car. You're not going to drive one, are you? I can't, I, I can't afford uh, an Apple car, no matter how much it costs. Would you at all take it seriously that there'll be one? No. No, I mean, you know, we're still waiting for an Apple iPad Pro or an Apple television and all these other things that various pundits and experts have prognosticated upon for years now, Retina MacBook Pro. Um, and none of that's come to pass. Apple Car is 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 uh, the latest masturbatory fantasy from 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 people who uh, who keep an eye on Cupertino. If an Apple car is coming, it's coming at some point so far in the future that it's not even worth talking about today. Now, I think some say the minimum is five years. So if there's going to be an Apple car, the earliest they can get one out is maybe 2020. Okay, fine. So well, we don't then need let's to have worry today about the car we're going to buy in 2020. Let's just be glad we're still alive. At least that's my reaction. Yeah, no, it's my reaction too. You know, I, 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 um, I don't discount Apple's ability to do whatever it wants based on the fact that it's got almost a trillion dollars in the bank. Uh, but building a car is a very different business from what Apple has done in the past. It's a very capital intensive business. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure at what scale they would be able to produce an automobile or, or how they would be able to differentiate what they're doing uh, significantly enough from what other people are doing uh, to, to make people take notice. But I, I don't know. I, I just armchair quarterbacking it for a second. If I were Tim Cook, I can't imagine that I would be very seriously looking at building an Apple car, uh, given what Apple's strengths are and you know where Apple's manufacturing is centered and stuff like that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, do you think maybe they want to do something with Tesla, more close cooperation? 
I think they want to work closely with existing car manufacturers, whether that's Tesla or Chrysler or um, I should say Fiat or Ford or uh, whomever. You know that they're interested in seeing CarPlay integrated into more vehicles. Um, you know, at a recent uh, auto show, the Koenigsegg, which is a very high-priced, uh, high-powered supercar, uh, featured Apple uh, featured CarPlay very prominently on its dashboard. That sort of integration makes a lot of sense because so many people. Especially, you know, people in in upper income tiers are walking around with iPhones in their pocket and want that unified, consistent user experience in their vehicles as well. Uh, so, you know, for the past couple of years, we've seen Apple make a, make a push into uh, vehicles with CarPlay. We see additional uh, car manufacturers coming on board with CarPlay. That sort of integration, I think, makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Well, the one thing I see is that Apple likes to go to markets that are ripe for disruption. So the music players, smartphones, tablets. So the question is, if they're going to get into the car market, what is there to disrupt? And the major thing is the infotainment system. As I mentioned to Kirk earlier in the episode, J.D. Power's surveys traditionally show people have problems with such basics as pairing their smartphone with a car, having that connection resume when you start your car again and also voice recognition things like that that just don't work reliably or you have these elaborate infotainment systems that you can't use without the six inch manual i went through this with a relative who had a relatively expensive car that she needed to trade down because her husband died and i went and helped her get a much cheaper car from a used car shop with a very simple radio It was fairly simple to program, fairly simple for her to use. I mean, my son, who's pretty tech savvy, was here from Spain in December and early January. He drove around her car. He said it was horrible trying to use all those features. And this was a relatively expensive car. So you think if something costs more, shouldn't it be easier to use, more elegant? One would think, but it, it amazes me um, how non-intuitive a lot of these um, uh, these 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 systems are in these vehicles. And you're right about pairing. Uh, you know, Bluetooth is an imperfect technology, and the Bluetooth implementation in so many vehicles is is very poor. I spend my weekends working at a local Apple independent retailer, and we have customers come in almost every day I work, uh, saying, "Do you know how to get this iPhone working with my car? I've got." you know, this model car and I, I can't get it to talk, uh, talk to, uh, to, to the phone. And, uh, sometimes we're able to help them. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we have to tell them to give the dealer a call or pop into the dealership, uh, for help syncing their phone, uh, because it becomes such a complicated endeavor. They just, they can't manage it and, and we can't manage it. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it is that way. It's unfortunate that uh, that that car manufacturers aren't taking, or haven't at least in the past, taken this uh, more seriously. From my perspective, it's kind of a uh, uh, an esoteric um, problem, though. I, I drive a used car. You know, I, I replace the head unit in it with a Bluetooth head unit that syncs okay with my iPhone. I don't have an integrated CarPlay experience, but at least I can listen to my music and talk to Siri while I'm driving, which is uh, better than a lot of people can say. But I'll tell you, you there's know, some it, things I'd like to talk to Siri about. Yeah, I think that I, I think that all of us could say the same thing. Right, Siri, get your act together. 
Siri, get your act together would be a good place to start. But you see, the big problem with cars is the usability. Another argument some people have made is the key fob. And didn't Tim Cook say that you might be able to use an Apple Watch as a car key? I guess in theory it makes sense. But the key fobs that have that are on cars now, these clumsy little things you stick in your pocket, and they can be hacked. Yes, they can. Uh, you know, but security is at a constant. Uh, this is something that that Renee Ritchie, who uh, runs iMore, uh, says uh, frequently. So I'll unabashedly uh, uh, take it from him. Security is at a constant tug of war with convenience. Um, so yeah, I mean, key fobs can be hacked. I've seen uh, recent news reports uh, showing that uh, car thieves are now able to hack key fobs and 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 open them up. I, I'm sure that if Apple uh, starts partnering with car makers um, in some sort of Apple Watch capacity to unlock the car, I'm, I'm I have no doubt that at some point or another that security is going to be overcome as well. But People have to uh, make decisions based on their own needs and, and, and based on what they know as to whether or not it's worth the risk. You know, if I have an eighty-five dollars or $100,000 car, am I going to depend on this one piece of technology to be able to operate it? Or am I going to uh, take a different approach? Well, it seems the companies who know how to build cars for $100,000 – don't always know how to build ways to make them simple to use. You have to think that a car that costs $100,000 is going to be safer. It's going to ride and accelerate better. It's going to be less intrusive on the driving experience. So wouldn't the driver want to concentrate on the basics of handling, getting the best motoring experience, not having to fiddle with this little center control that a lot of cars have, like I drive on a BMW, you have the center knob that you have to push up, push down, press or something to get them to just change the radio station. Precisely. You know, it's uh, the designers of these things, I think, are breathing in their own gas fumes. Well, that must be something. They must be really smoking something, you have to think. Of course, the other thing about the car experience is the buying experience that ought to be disrupted, especially after I took my sister-in-law to the finance office at this used car dealer that supposedly is up to date, but they were printing all their contracts like other car dealers on 1980s-style impact printers. Now, I mentioned this on last week's episode, and nobody wrote back and said, well, of course, not all car dealers do that. I don't know. I don't think so. We have Peter Cohen here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs> We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Attention listeners, SurvivalLife.com is giving away free EverStrike permanent matches for a limited time only. These matches are waterproof and will light in any weather condition, rain, snow, or sleet. It will still throw a spark. Its built-in ferro rod strikes at 3,000 degrees. And it is good for 15,000 strike. Normally, $15. Today, it's free. Get yours at freewaterproofmatch.com. Again, that's freewaterproofmatch.com. Hurry, supplies are limited. Visit freewaterproofmatch.com today. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendivite. I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the the gut, it's working on the liver, it's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So it's your contention then that if Apple enters the car business, it's strictly the dashboard, the infotainment, all that stuff, not to worry about building the whole widget. Well, you know, no, I, I won't rule anything out in the future, but for right now, I think that that's, that's where we should be focusing our attention, you know, on what Apple's actually doing, not what on Apple might do five or 10 years down the road. Now, famously this week, BMW was quoted as saying they have been in touch with Apple, but they're not working on a car together. So we assume it's infotainment. Exactly. Doesn't take much to guess that. No, it right. really doesn't. Yeah. Apple car. What about an iPad Pro? 12.9-inch iPad Pro. This is another one of these moving speculations. So it was going to be last year. Then it's going to be early this year. Now they're saying, well, they've had problems making the display. So maybe it'll be later this year. So are they, they being the people who publish these rumors, suggesting that if we make enough wrong predictions, Apple will listen and build one? (laughs) Yeah, that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? You know, we... we, uh uh, we keep hearing this uh, uh, this rumor of an iPad Pro, and uh, as, as I put it um, recently on Twitter, I'm starting to feel after this latest rumor that it's sort of uh, the Apple unicorn uh, It has been delayed because uh, Apple has a shortage of magic horns. You know, it, it, it gets a little ridiculous after a while. I personally would love to see an iPad Pro, whether that's a larger format iPad or just an iPad with more sophisticated features and capabilities. I'm not exactly sure what that would look like. I'm not exactly sure how that would uh, uh, would would mesh into the existing product line, but I certainly think that there's a place for it, yeah, especially if it's something that integrates really well with the Mac. You know, I, one thing that we've seen Apple do very well this past year with uh, OS 10 Yosemite on the Mac and iOS 8 
is this handoff technology, this this integration, this continuity, as they call it, uh, between the Mac and iOS to make it a seamless experience. So if I am looking at a web page on my iPhone and go to my Mac and open Safari, the same web page will be staring at me. If I start an email on my iPad, I can put it down, go to my Mac, and uh, continue that 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 email right where I left off. This technology has has proven to be enormously beneficial to me personally and to millions of other Mac users. Um, I, I use it, I, I barely ever make a phone call on my phone anymore. I usually take it on my Mac and, and make calls on my Mac as well because it's easier for me to open the contacts database and just click on a number than it is to flip through the phone and access the contacts app and so on. You know, it's just, it's a stream of consciousness. If an iPad Pro was equally well integrated into the Apple ecosystem, I think that would be a very powerful device for a lot of people, whether they were creative users, whether they were executives, whether they were, you know, middle managers, or whether they were students. I think that there's a lot, a lot of potential for a product like that in Apple's uh, product line. But until Apple actually announces a product or until we have a reliable idea of what an iPad Pro looks like, again, it's just rampant speculation. Now, I think it started with the Wall Street Journal, and it goes back to the fact that Apple will build prototypes to test a product, and maybe that gets into the supply chain, and maybe that's where this originates from. Apple makes a prototype. Oh, they're going to make a TV set. Oh, they're going to make an iPad Pro. But at the end of the day, Apple may commission all sorts of prototypes, but how many of them get the green light to go to production? You are so right on that, Gene. I cannot underscore how correct you are. You know, Apple has a lot of money. Apple also invests a lot of money in research and development on new products. Not all of these products. In fact, only a minute, microscopic number of these products ever make it to market. But if if Apple can prototype something, chances are it has prototyped something somewhere along the line. Uh, you know, Apple has no shortage of creative people with brilliant ideas and ideas for disruption in different markets. So I don't think it's at all, it, 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 it should be surprising to anybody listening to this that Apple has tried these things. But there's a big difference between Apple building one or two or 10 or 100 of these things and Apple actually producing them for market, for actual consumption. There's a completely different thing. It might be they have to build sample cars to test technologies on them. Well, at the point at which Apple is actually, would be actually producing uh, something like that, we, we would know about it. We would know about it because there's no way that Apple can keep everyone in their supply chain um, and their manufacturing process completely off the radar. Certainly, uh, when it comes to the production of, of Apple, uh, not just Macintoshes, but also iOS, iOS devices, you know, no matter how much Apple has tried to clamp down on um, rumors and, and secrets, people in China and elsewhere are incented monetarily or just because they want the information to get out there uh, to, to let people know that, that these products are coming. So we often have a good idea long in advance uh, that, that new products are in the pipeline. And with all the regulatory hurdles and all the hassles that Apple would have to go through to get something like a car made, uh, you can you better believe that we would have a good idea of when it was going to happen long before it actually did. Well, you think of the EPA. 
you think of the various regulations it has to undergo? The NHTSA, I mean, you know, the, the list goes on and on. It would be a matter of public record long before um, Apple actually had a product out. And even then, Apple would want to do it just to spook everybody. We've got a car coming out next year. Here it is. Here's a preview. Bring it up at the Geneva Auto Show or the New York Auto Show or something like that. You know, it's like now, a lot of these places like the Mobile World Congress, for example, will anticipate something that Apple is doing and bring out what they hope will be the competing product. So, for example, did you have anybody from iMore over there this week? iMore didn't have anybody at uh, Mobile World Congress, but our uh, uh, our, our sister publications uh, as part of the Mobile Nations Network uh, certainly did, yeah. Let's talk about that real briefly. I don't know whether you've covered much or any of it, but we have the new Samsung Galaxy S6. We have the Samsung Galaxy S6 and the Exis Edge. Now, have you seen one of these Edge phones where the screen kind of spreads over to the side? Yeah, I, it's not a, 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 a an embellishment that I'm particularly fond of, but uh, yeah, it's 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 certainly an, a new trend. A new fad, anyway. I don't know if it's safe to call it a trend yet. It's like curved TVs. If Samsung has these big, expensive TVs, like OLED TVs, and have a slight curve to them, I guess trying to make your home viewing experience like IMAX. But if you're at the edge of the seat when you're watching this, it looks kind of bad. I mean, it's okay straight on. You know, if it's one person watching it or two people watching it side by side with a big TV, I guess it sort of kind of works. But supposedly with these Edge S6 versions, you'll be able to see some kind of flashing from the side to indicate someone's being called or something, a way to alert you. That's an alert system, but it seems totally stupid. Why don't you just stick a light on there or something? Right, exactly. What's the benefit? I don't understand. Absurd. So the other thing, of course, about the new Samsungs is they're trying to make it more like iPhone 6. So you can't replace the battery anymore. They add an aluminum case instead of plastic. You can't add a micro SD card. It's no longer waterproof. It's like they looked at the features they added for the S5 and they said, we got to take them out because the phone isn't doing so well. We got to compete with Apple. Ah, be minimalist. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. You know, Apple's making money off of its phone. Samsung isn't. So um, good luck to them with the, uh, the S6. So we call this the desperation move. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. So therefore, it's the Samsung Galaxy D. <laughs> D for desperation? Of course. Very nice. You like that? Well, you know, I haven't touched one, okay? I've seen the pictures. I've read the stories. I don't understand what they think they're offering here or why this is supposed to be better than throwing everything in there but the kitchen sink. And so instead of Apple Pay, we have Samsung Pay. <laughs> Who could have thunk it? We have Peter Cohen here from iMore. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7. And take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hug a Mac 
for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugamac, bitdefender.com backslash hugamac. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRA, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Most people know that drinking pure high alkaline pH water is the most important factor in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to make your water alkaline to help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy level. Alkalizing water helps your body rid itself of acidic waste and increases the oxygen content of your body. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, and cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776 today. By now you may have heard a bit about bitcoins, but did you know bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning bitcoins or trying to make money in the bitcoin market, you've got to know bidbit.co. Why? Because bidbit.co is where you can easily receive bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. 
If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. I suppose next week we'll be talking to some people who went to the Mobile World Conference, by the way. All right? Cool. People who were there, and we're going to get more information about what's going on. But there it is, Samsung. Let us move on. Now, have you had much thought about the contentious issue of net neutrality in the FCC's action? Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly a hot topic right now. Um, a lot of people are, are very interested in what the FCC um, has proposed. It, it's certainly relevant to, I think, uh, what uh, people are worried about in terms of um, the future of the Internet and the future of accessible information. All right, so... We have the critics, and we know what party they're from. They call it Obamacare for the Internet. They say it's going to slow down your Internet connection. It's government control of the Internet. It's ridiculous. But it seems like it's supposed to be freedom. The ISP can no longer do traffic management in the sense of slowing something down or throttling it unless you pay them a tribute. So how is that taking away your freedom? Well, yeah, exactly. A lot of the concern that you're hearing about are from people who are heavily invested in seeing it not happen. Um, we'll, we'll ultimately see what exactly happens because, uh, you, you know, by making Internet access in the United States uh, subject to Title II um, oversight uh, by the FCC, it, 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 it doesn't fundamentally change the way that Internet service providers are, are operating today. What it does is, is, is it, it affects their business plans for a few years down the road. So is there anything there that would prevent an ISP from innovating, giving you gigabit internet and all that? Absolutely not. All it's doing is that uh, it's it's saying that that ISPs can't block legal websites. You know, they can't uh, throttle speeds to access specific websites, and they can't favor um, traffic to some internet services over other internet services. What's wrong with that? I don't understand why people are having a hard time with this. And the Obamacare for the internet thing is just ridiculous. This is partisan politics bickering. So we're talking here about being neutral. That's what neutrality is. They can't manage the traffic, except unless it's illegal, of course. If it's illegal, they have the right to do whatever they want. All legal traffic is treated equally. That's That's what it's about. Now, I mean, there are other things about the regulations, and there are like 300 pages explaining this. It's not so simple. But that's the fundamental thing, the fundamental precept. That is, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, I still think that the the long-term ramifications of this are, are, it's still too hard to figure out uh, how exactly things are going to change, not just here in the U.S., but internationally in the wake of this decision. Let's move to the Mac. Now, I'm not going to get too much into rumors that there's going to be a refreshed MacBook Air next week or a MacBook Air with retina display that now some people are saying won't happen until the summer because you'll hear the show and we'll know let's talk about the mac in general you have an article under experts over at imore called why the mac may be poised for double digit market share now in the u.s it already has that but global it's like six percent right so why is the mac poised for this 
Well, I um, don't want to speak for him, but Ben Beharin, who is a a very well-known industry analyst, was the one who wrote this particular column. But just to summarize, what what he points out is that... um, Apple's uh, share of annual sales has grown uh, consistently and steadily for the last decade. You know, as, as far as the, the Mac is concerned, a, a lot of it has to do with the halo effect that we've heard about from Apple for years. The idea that people buy one Apple product, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad or even an iPod, and they're so pleased with it that they go to an Apple store or a place where Apple products are sold um, to buy other Apple products. They're interested enough in how their phone works to want a Mac to replace a PC that they're having some trouble with. I anecdotally see this in the store that I work at all the time. Every day I work, I get somebody coming in saying, I've got a PC and I'm just sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of getting malware and viruses and I want to get rid of it. I want to get a Mac. What Mac should I get? It turns out, at least according to Apple's numbers, about 50% of the people who walk in the door to an Apple retail store to buy a new Macintosh are brand new to the platform. They're people who have never owned a Mac before um, and 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 want to uh, see what it's all about. So uh, that that certainly has a lot to do with it. Now, this but, is nothing new, by the way. Apple has reported this for several years. Oh, yeah. And we're seeing the growth curve. Yeah, I mean, you know, Apple stores have been around for um, almost a, dec- a decade and a half now. This phenomenon is nothing new. This phenomenon has, has followed uh, that for almost as long as there have been Apple stores. But the, the fact is, the middle class um, in, in a lot of countries, like China and India, are growing. They're getting a lot more disposable uh, income. Uh, they're interested in better computing experiences that they can get now. And this leads to, you know, potentially uh, greatly improved growth for Apple in the future. Beharin predicts that um, that over the next five years, if the fundamentals of the PC market uh, stay the same way that they're saying now, Apple could reach 18 to 20% of annual sales. It's somewhere about 6% right now, I think. So that that would mean huge growth for the Macintosh, uh, huge growth for Apple, uh, and a lot more people using Macs than have ever used before. Apple's peak, its peak market share at a time many years ago when the market was very small was 16%. So, you know, if if for Apple to reach uh, even more than that would be quite remarkable. It would indeed. But if more and more people are buying Macs, why not? Yeah. We all have to see where that goes. But at what point here do you think the PC era is going to be mostly over? It looks like it's living on life support for a lot longer because tablets haven't taken over yet. Well, yeah. I mean, we heard this rhetoric from uh, Steve Jobs before he passed away, that we were living in the post-PC era and that uh, um, we were, uh, you know, that... that uh, PCs were were trucks and the iPad was a car, some silly nonsense like that. Look, that I I, I don't agree with. I don't fundamentally agree with with that assessment. I think that uh, computers are still very important. I think that many people still need computers and will need computers indefinitely. But um, there has 
unquestionably been some stagnation in the PC market. And that's for, I think, a variety of reasons. One reason is because, you know, Microsoft hasn't uh, attracted the interest that it once did uh, with its new operating system releases, you know, whether it's Windows 8 or what have you. You know, we'll see if Windows 10 can capture some of the old magic. Let's Uh, go more into that in our next segment. We have Peter Cohen of iMore. He'll tell you more about the PC conundrum. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs ensures he gets the best use of his mineral supplements by using Longevity's Ultimate Enzymes. If you start a nutritional supplement program and you find that you get loose stools more than you get any benefits from the supplements, there's a good chance that you're not absorbing the minerals. Now, here's the thing about minerals and mineral absorption. You need to have a functioning fat system. You need to have functioning bile. You need to have a well-functioning liver and a well-functioning gallbladder in order to get the benefits from nutritional supplements with minerals. It's very common that as we get older, we don't absorb fats, we don't utilize fats, and then you won't be utilizing or absorbing minerals either. I would be getting on the ultimate enzymes from longevity. I'd be making sure I was taking them with all my meals. To get optimal use of your nutritional supplements, order Ultimate Enzymes from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebed.com. That's brightsidebed.com. Order today. The freeze-dry guy, leader in the preparedness industry for 44 years, is closing his California warehouse. 
Don't miss out on this huge warehouse sale and receive discounts from 30 to 40% off on the finest Mountain House and Packaway brand freeze-dried and dehydrated foods for long-term food storage or even everyday use. Plus deep discounts on all in-stock survival gear. The Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a wide selection of freeze-dried foods in number 10 cans and even individually packaged entrees. Remember, meats, vegetables, fruits, and long-range patrol rations are the main components for any long-term food storage. This is limited to stock on hand, so hurry and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, as always, free shipping to the lower 48 states. So hurry up and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, this is limited to stock on hand. The freeze-dry guy is your choice for survival food in an uncertain world. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Don't forget to go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Check it out. Learn about Tech Night Owl Plus, which gives you a higher resolution version of the show, minus the network ads, plus.technightowl.com. It's a very modest subscription fee. With Peter Cohen, we're looking at the Microsoft Dilemma. Have you played much with the Windows 10 preview? Yeah, I've had it installed for quite some time now, and uh, I like it. I like it. It's 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 a solid uh, uh, improvement to Windows that um, you know sets the foundation for Microsoft to to make a lot of uh, usability enhancements. So it's it's been working working quite well for me so far. Now I have it installed on a virtual machine on my Mac. I think I mentioned that earlier in the program. Uh, but it seems to be doing okay. Um, you know, I'm running it inside of uh, uh, a program uh, called Parallels Desktop, and exactly. uh, works works quite well on the Mac. I've used it, and it runs pretty fast, as a matter of fact. In fact, as I talk, I can start Parallels Desktop, and it launches, and then I just click an icon, and it says it's resuming the Windows 10 technical preview. And before I finish taking a breath... And asking Peter Cohen his reaction. So, you know, it runs pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's got a lot of great compatibility with existing products, too. So, um, uh, you know, it, it won't break everything. Well, that's nice. That's right. It seems to offer more of the feel of more traditional versions of Windows with a new interface. In fact, you'll see that interface, and then you go to the Office 2016 for the Mac, and you'll see they've borrowed a lot of those interface elements. But just getting things like your settings, you had to go into this charms issue with Windows 8.1 where you had to find the right corner of the screen to click on it if you didn't have a touch screen on your PC to be able to make standard system changes. Now they've got back to being a more traditional interface. I mean, a lot of what they've done is just offering a virtual desktop feature like the Mac, things like that, like mission control, offering a traditional start menu. You know, it's not original, but the fact that Microsoft's doing it makes Windows more useful. Indeed. And that is Windows. 
Let's go back to the Mac thing. Peter Cohen, we don't know the final pricing. We will when a lot of people hear the show of the various models of the Apple Watch, except, of course, for the 349 version. Are you going to buy one? I don't know. You know, I've I've been kind of vacillating on this um, for, for a while now. I haven't worn a watch in over 10 years. When I started using a laptop as my primary computer, I stopped wearing a watch because um, I did at first and uh, started scratching the, the wrist pad area near the trackpad on my, my PowerBook G4 and immediately took my watch off and shortly thereafter got a cell phone and just really didn't need anything on my wrist anymore to tell me what time it was. So I, I didn't bother. Um, so I've kind of been in that pattern ever since then. And, you know, the fitness wearable market is not something that's really attracted my attention personally. So from that perspective, I'm not accustomed to wearing anything on my wrist and not really anxious to wear anything on my wrist again. Having said that, the Apple Watch is not just a timepiece. It's not just a fitness wearable. It's something that is going to extend the usability of my iPhone. And from that perspective, I'm very interested in what the Apple Watch can do. Um, but I am still looking for a really solid reason to wear it. Now, the one area I think where um, an Apple Watch could come in really handy for me, and uh, ultimately we'll see if this is enough for me to actually buy one, um, but it is, is to, to manage my health better. And I'm not just talking about tracking how much I move or how far I run or walk or what sort of exercises I do, but it'll be able to measure uh, heartbeat. Um, it'll tie into the health app that's on the phone. And uh, it'll also be able to give me reminders through its what they call the haptic interface, uh, the ability to buzz and, and have it have you feel it through your wrist to remind me to do things. And, you know, as I recently um, had a life-altering surgery. I, I, I'm a bariatric patient. I recently had gastric bypass surgery. And as a result of that, I'm going to be on a very regimented set of vitamins and supplements for the rest of my life in order to maintain my health. So for me personally, it would be really handy to have something that reminds me personally and more effectively than the systems that I'm using now to take the supplement at this time or, hey, remember to check your blood sugar right now or, hey, you have to get up and move around for five minutes. If the Apple Watch can help me with that, that's something I'm really interested in. That could be a life-altering experience for me uh, with a piece of technology compared to the way that I work with my Mac and my phone right now. But I'm speculating here, you know, and uh, the, 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 the product isn't in my hands yet, so I don't know. I'm probably not going to be lining up to, to buy one on the first day. I'm probably going to take a back seat and wait for other people uh, to, to, to judge whether or not it's a success or failure before I hop on board. I can't tell you, though, that even if I do get one, it's going to be a, a sport watch. It's not going to be one of the more expensive models because I have a hard enough time trying to get my head around spending $350 for one of these things, let alone five or ten thousand dollars that just seems absurd to me now i should tell you i have always had watches since i was 10 or 12 i currently have a guest watch it's about 10 years old cost about 75 dollars at one of those discounters tj maxx or something and it works fine it still works perfectly 
I replace the battery every few years for a few dollars, and that's it. And I can't imagine having something like Apple Watch, especially considering the cost. But even if I wanted to pay the money, Apple was pushing to make it a fashion accessory item. You know, a 12-page spread in Vogue magazine. We know where they're going, where people will buy it because it looks cool and they've got the fancy watch bands. They won't buy it because it does 50,000 functions and taps your wrist to tell you you got to stand up. It's going to sell on the basis of being something that the fashion, fashionable person, the fashionista wants. I think in some cases, yeah, you know, people will be buying it as a fashion accessory or to be seen with the latest cool thing. I mean, you know, gold iPhones had that cachet for a little bit too. You know, people uh, when when Apple started offering the iP- the the iPhone in gold, um, uh, people uh, were paying absurd prices over the full retail price to be the first person on their street who had a gold iPhone. Um, but that's a fad, and that's a pretty quickly passing fad. You know, I've seen some interesting statistics on fitness wearables um, than, like, you know, Nike's band did. Uh, It seems that about half the people who buy these things stick them in a drawer after six months and never wear them again. Now, whether or not that's because they're having technical problems with them or just are, are tired of this device on your wrist hectoring you about doing these things or, you know, tired of, of having to sink it in, in, in difficult ways. I, I, I don't know. And I don't think that the research that's been done really establishes, but, uh, you know, my, my fear is that people will spend money on these things and then not use them. And then Apple will ultimately have a flop on its hand, whether or not the Apple watch is going to be the next iPhone or is going to be something like the iPad that exploded and then gradually is sort of shrinking. Um, it still remains to be seen, but I do think that the apple watch is going to have a significant impact on the market when it finally hits but it's not true that apple will begin to call siri hector no (laughs) that would be cool though Ah. i would i would like to download a hector voice pack for siri hector Hector. now there are people out there named hector going to feel mighty insulted here they're going to say well the tech night owl live they're insulting me and no it's Gene Steinberg. Peter's just responding to my silliness, as he will for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting, and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, They're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. 
Attention listeners, SurvivalLife.com is giving away free EverStrike permanent matches for a limited time only. These matches are waterproof and will light in any weather condition, rain, snow, or sleet. It will still throw a spark. Its built-in ferro rod strikes at 3,000 degrees, and it is good for 15,000 strikes. Normally, $15. Today, it's free. Get yours at FreeSurvivalMatch.com. That's FreeSurvivalMatch.com. Hurry, supplies are limited. Visit FreeSurvivalMatch.com today. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Extend your life with Extendovite. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendovite. I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast-killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver hard. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the, the gut, it's working on the liver, it's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Out Live. Talking about lots of stuff. Apple Car Office 2016 for the Mac. Apple Watch. Net neutrality. The possibility of an iPad Pro. All this sort of thing. You know, lots of fascinating possibilities but do you with your great grapevine get any indications at all that there's some other product or service apple is working on for this year that's going to blow everybody away well i could tell you but i'd have to kill you gene well people have tried 
Um, Apple's working on new stuff all the time, and this goes back to uh, what I was talking about before. When, if and when these products actually see the light of day is a completely different story, but Apple is definitely working on new stuff all the time. I keep most of my attention focused on one particular product that Apple makes, which is the Macintosh. I'm, I'm the, the Mac managing editor for iMore, so that's where I, I spend a lot of my day um, looking, and I certainly know that Apple's got some interesting stuff up its sleeve with regards to the Mac. In Intel, the company that makes the chips that power uh, Macs and countless other PCs, has a very aggressive roadmap this year. They're rolling out two new chips. Uh, one is the Broadwell chip, which is already out and which we should see imminently in the Macintosh. And the other is Skylake, which is the next generation Intel microprocessor for, for PCs. That's got some exciting functionality in it because that introduces Thunderbolt 3. And uh, for the first time, Macs built around Skylake chips would have the bandwidth uh, to drive uh, 4K and 5K monitors with no problems. So rather than just the iMac being the uh, uh, the odd duck out with this 5K display, uh, you could potentially uh, see a refresh to other Apple products like the Thunderbolt display with 5K for something like that. So yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting year on the Mac end of things. Um, but uh, of course, yeah, only time will tell. Lots of interesting things coming from Macs, but let's look at a few issues with regard to the Mac. And that is here, does Apple ever consider a convertible kind of thing? That's what some people were thinking about when we were hearing about an iPad Pro. That's a tablet. No, it's a PC. Apple will never go there, will they? You're talking about like a two-in-one, sort of like we've seen emerge in the PC market. See. You know, I don't think so. I think that they're a niche product. I don't see them getting a lot of traction in the marketplace right now. What's interesting to note is that Microsoft has really kind of unified uh, the Windows 10 experience uh, to a single uh, style of user experience, regardless of what device you're using. So regardless of whether you use a Windows uh, laptop or desktop machine or a tablet or even a phone, you've got more or less a consistent user interface across all those different devices. I don't think that Apple is quite on the same track. Apple's perspective on this, if I'm reading it correctly, is that those different devices should work independently. The user interface should be as invisible as possible to, to actually getting the task done. But that ultimately, the, the way in which they, they interact with each other, the way that they send data to each other, that part should be completely seamless. That's what we're seeing with the continuity stuff that we've seen in iOS 8 and OS 10 um, this year, this past year. And that's what I think we'll continue to see Apple do. All right. Looking at the possibilities for Apple and where they might go with them. Of course, the one thing that always bothers us when we talk about Apple, and we see this in comments made by people who focus on that, is the fear mongering. The Apple Watch has to be a failure. It can't be a success. Every time Apple comes out with a new product, it has to be a failure. Right. Well, declaring a product as, as a failure before it's ever seen the light of day is ridiculous, of course. Enough to drive you nuts. It sure is. So everything that Apple does is wrong. It's a company that's worth $750 billion. Stock price is going at a pretty good clip. But it's all smoke and mirrors, right? It's all smoke and mirrors. You know, people are sheeple for buying them, and uh, Apple is, is doomed. If not today, tomorrow. If you say it often enough, Apple 
is doomed. Goodbye, kaput. And eventually an asteroid will hit the Earth and we'll all die. Oh, right. That's going to happen any day now. I think Thursday it's going to happen. Just ask Nostradamus. He's not alive to be contradicted. Well, I'm sure his head is in a jar someplace with the Illuminati. Ah, that's where it is. All right. We don't know. Anytime. Anytime. Now, just a fast question here about security. Now, your boss posted this piece, Apple to patch freak attack vulnerability in iOS OS 10 next week. But Apple isn't the only operating system developer that has this problem, are they? No, they're not. Google uh, is is also affected by it. So, you know, that it's, it's, it's not an Apple-specific problem, but of course, we're an Apple-centric website, so that's our perspective on it. You know, we, we got a statement from Apple indicating that they're aware of the, uh, the vulnerability and they're going to patch it. So, um, next week, we should see uh, something emerge that will take care of that. This will be in the rumored iOS 8.2? I don't know if it's going to be an iOS 8.2 or if it's going to be a, a separate release. I imagine it would be a separate release for older versions of uh, of, uh, of OS 10 as well. So um, we'll, we'll see how Apple actually plans to roll it out as like a security update or what have you. All right, the latest security, but they always mention Apple. They don't talk about Windows. Because we're talking about a bug here or a vulnerability that's been there since the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, this is a man-in-the-middle attack that's been around for a very, very long time. It's sort of embarrassing that it's only coming to light now. But the question I have here is, what does man-in-the-middle mean here? Well, a man-in-the-middle attack, um, or in this particular case, what it, what it, what it means is that so in this particular case, what it uh, the, the 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 attack that we're talking about or the the security exploit is called Freak. It stands for Factoring Attack on RSA Export Keys. Um, Freak. I like what they do that. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. It's it 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 happens um, uh, with uh, with websites um, that. Um, except what are called RSA underscore export cipher suites. Um, and client computers being yours or mine, you know, whatever it's it's connecting to, um, offers either RSA or a version of OpenSSL, uh, which is secure socket layer. It's a common form of uh, web security that's vulnerable to this particular problem. So Google and Apple devices, iOS, OS 10 that use unpatched OpenSSL are equally exploitable, equally vulnerable. So are countless other embedded systems and other software products that use uh, this sort of technology uh, without disabling um, specific uh, cryptographic stuff. Bottom line is, if you see a security update pop up on your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod Touch or your Mac, do not pass go, do not collect $200, don't do anything until you apply it. And that way you'll be safe from this this problem when um, uh, Apple does release the vulnerability patch next week. All right. Peter Cohen, where can we find more of the stuff that you do? You can find me on imore.com and on all the social things at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H. You can find us on Twitter, known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. 
You can also check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And in case you're wondering what that is, that show is called The Paracast, and some people call it the gold standard of paranormal radio, The Paracast. And this week we're going to be talking with a publisher adventurer named David Hatcher Childress. He's gone around the world. He has looked for evidence of ancient astronauts and stuff like that. A lot of wild stuff at thepowercast.com, thepowercast.com. Also visit plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Check out the Tech Night Owl Plus subscription service. Get a higher quality audio version of the show free of network ads for a modest, low-cost subscription fee at plus.technightowl.com. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you very much, Gene. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.